Proverb, I chose Proverb 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Well, that's pretty scary. Don't do that. So we've been looking at some big choices. Um, and um, we've been in, in a summer um, going through a series of being available to the, to the Lord for the changes that he wants to make in us, the shaping. And we've been talking about some big choices. Um, first, the, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about choosing purpose over popularity, which is a good one. And last week, we talked about surrender um, over control, surrender to the Lord over trying to be in control of everything. Next time, I want to talk to you about choosing the important over the urgent. Anybody? have a harried lifestyle. I don't mean you need to shave. I mean, <laughs> it seems like how are you going to get things done? You're always on the go and you have to respond. And many times that you don't want to be, you're the tail instead of the head and you're whipped around. Like, did you ever do that at the skating rink and you were the last one in the row? And, and they all laughed because they thought, okay, here's a new guy. We'll just let him have it. Um, and you feel like that in life. Now, next week, I want to talk about important, doing, choosing the important over the urgent. And uh, the week after that, I'm going to talk, I'm going to wrap up this whole series about uh, being available to the Lord for change. I want to talk about friendship because I believe, and I think the word will teach us that without friendship, you will not be successful in letting the Lord change your life. Friendship is a really big deal. So that's where we're going over the next couple of weeks. Today, uh, before I get into the big choice I want to talk about today, I'm just going to say, um, I'm going to break the preaching rules. Because the preaching rules say that you always start your message out with positive. You want to be positive because people will be mad at you and they won't come back if you're not positive. And you know, sometimes I break the rules. Is it okay? I mean, I'm going to break the rule a little bit today. And are you ready for it? Because I'm going to tell you something that you probably don't want to hear to begin a message, but let's just get it over with, okay? Is it all right? Yeah. It's all right with five people, okay? <laughs> all right, but okay, so I don't know why I asked you that because I'm doing it anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing, I just want to say this. You are going to experience some pain in your life. You're going to experience some pain. Look, don't run for the, nobody ran for the door. Okay, that's good. Welcome to Crossroads Church, the place that we want to make sure you feel good about yourself. We're going to all experience at some point, we're going to experience some difficulty and some pain. In fact, Jesus talked about, that there's pain that happens, and an awful lot of it is outside of your ability to control it. Jesus said in John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I'm always, you got to read to the end of the sentence, right? Don't ever stop, because the good thing is that Jesus has overcome. In this world, you're going to have trouble, and the thing is, a lot of times, it is not your fault. You know, you get in some sort of a, a freak kind of an accident. You had nothing to do with it, and you're in pain, or somebody that you love betrays you and hurts you, or, you know, your company decides to downsize, and all of a sudden, you don't have a job anymore, or, you know, uh, there's a lot of pain that can come into our lives, and it's beyond our control, right? I mean, some things happen, you know, without knowing it, one day your child comes home from school and they've got a goldfish and now you own a fish. <laughs> Things come into your life, pain can come into your life and it's not always within your control. But the reality is that some of the pain in our lives is within our control. <laughs> Here's what I mean. You know, many times it comes down to a choice we make um, between one type of pain 
or another type of pain. Sometimes that's the choice we have. You get to choose. For example, you get to choose the pain of obeying your parents today or facing the consequences later. Okay, you're talking about, you know, you don't get what you want now. Sometimes there's some pain involved in that. Or, or you, you, you get the pain today of living within your means today. Or dealing with the difficulties of, of debt tomorrow. There's some pain involved. Or another one would be like the pain of not going to hang out with your pals, but instead you stay home and you study for the test. The pain of doing that, or you face the consequences of summer school. Tomorrow. I mean, we get, we get these choices. You get to choose your pain. So today I want to talk to you about making good choices. Um, a big, a, a, the, decision, the big decision that we're going to look at today is this. Choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. The pain of discipline over the pain of You get to choose. Choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. So um, I want to start out with a working definition, and I've leaked this out over the last couple of weeks. A working definition of discipline. There's lots of them, but here's a really good one. Discipline. Choosing between what you want now and what you want most. (laughs) What you want now and what you want most. And, you know, I think the Apostle Paul, um, you know, I'm so glad that he wrote so much in the New Testament and the Lord just let him all over in there because... You know, he's, let me give you a little context about Paul. He was, he was this guy who actually met Christ after he had died and, and rose from the dead. That's when he met him. And um, he, he experienced Christ in a very powerful way, including the fact that Jesus healed Paul of total blindness. That's a pretty big encounter. Okay, so he's, he's off on a... And, and Paul is the guy, he wrote almost a third of the New Testament... If there's anybody that um, has a spiritual edge, if there's anybody that be, should be able to have their act together, it's this guy, Paul. And yet he writes in this, this letter he write to, wrote to the church in Rome, we call the Book of Romans, how difficult it is to do the right thing. And the words he used, you know, I mean, in my own small-heartedness, it helps me to look at this guy who was a giant, spiritual giant, and how he struggled. Because then in my struggles, I feel more okay. I mean, so you, you'll see what I'm talking about. Romans 7.15, here's Paul. He says this, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's right, but I can't. You ever done that before? <laughs> you know, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. You know, I can, <laughs> that whole thing, I, you'll have a chance to do that this afternoon. <laughs> the whole thing. He said, I want to do the right thing, but I can't. Verse 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Then when he says, he says something that I think most of us would admit is how we feel about ourselves sometimes. Verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? He sounds like there's just no hope. You know, what was me? I want to do what's right, and I can't do that. I don't want to do the wrong thing, and I do those things. Then the tone changes, and it's pretty cool. Verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. This guy says, you know, I'm ashamed. I don't get things right. I feel down on myself. I'm embarrassed. You'd think I'd be able to get things sorted out. You'd think I would be able to get this right. Whoever can help me? And here's his point. The point here is... Not just that it's, the answer is Jesus, but the point is the, the answer, Paul's saying the answer is not in me. It's not in me being better. It's not in me being stronger. 
It said, Jesus Christ, my Lord. And he's, he's basically saying, you know, on our own, over time, we're going to make some wrong choices. <laughs> we do. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, Christ will enable us to choose not the thing we want now, but instead the thing that we want most. With the help of Christ, we can choose discipline over regret. So Paul, Paul's this guy who's saying, you know, I can't get this right. And he talks about this also in the book of 1 Corinthians. And, and he's talking here, and there's this imagery of, it's a sports metaphor. So, um, okay, guys like this kind of stuff. But this is the Lord, so I'm going to use a sports metaphor. Ladies, come along for the ride. Was that really sexist? <laughs> Ashley, I can always depend on you to get me back in line. That a girl. Way to go. Thank you. This is my adopted daughter, Ashley. She's got her own family, but I hereby adopt her. <laughs> Don't you agree, honey? My wife. You you... Oh, you... perfect. Okay, but you got to keep the dog. I don't, you know, I can... I'm done with dogs. Forgive me for that. I don't know where that came from. I am not done with dogs. Okay, so, um, okay, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, it says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So only one person gets the prize. So he says, so run to win. We're not running for a participation ribbon here. You know, when you're running, you know, you're running with every bit of focus and intensity and every bit of power you have. And because, you know, the race that we're talking about here, there's a, there's a, in the race here, we're talking about an eternal race and includes some temporal benefits, some, some benefits while we're here alive on the earth. There's, there's no eternal reward just for showing up in the stadium. Did you know that? Are you a Seahawks fan? I mean, I watched, yeah, let's go Hawks. Come on. It's like, I mean, I watched them get to the Super Bowl a few times and they won the Super Bowl. I did not get a Super Bowl ring. Did any of you other fans get your Super Bowl ring? You don't get the ring for just showing up at your TV set or even showing up on the stadium. You don't even get the ring for showing up on the other side of the field. You got to show up, play the game, and you got to actually win to get the prize. I want my ring. <laughs> so, okay, he says, we, they run to win. Verse 25, all athletes are dis- disciplined in their training. So if you're going to win, you've got to choose what you want most over what you want right now. I mean, you know, like if you want to if, if be in tip-top shape or, you know, no, I want to sleep in now and eat more pizza. That's kind of the choice I make an awful lot. You've got to choose what I want most over what I want now. So discipline in our training. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. These guys he's talking about, they do it and they get like, you know, you're on the soccer team, you get this little plastic trophy, or you get a little ribbon, or let's just say you're the best in the world, and you do it, and you get a gold medal at the Olympics. All three of those prizes I just described are going to fade away. Even that gold medal is going to burn one day. They're going to be gone. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it. Followers of Jesus do it for an eternal prize. That's why we run to win. We're not doing it for some little trophy or some, you know, something that passes away. We do it to honor and glorify God. We do it, we do it for the one who gave his life for us. That's why we do it. Now, Paul's audience hearing, you know, this run the race, they would have been thinking in this 
context of something called the Isthmian Games. I've talked about that before. They had, they had athletic contests between cities, and, um, and they, were, you know, they were very popular. There was tremendous national pride. Um, there was, you know, it was kind of like our Olympic Games, but not, of course, as big. Athletes would go into very, very strict training. Typically, it was about a 10-month training period, and they were very, very strict in that time. There was no junk food, no Cheetos, no Cheetos and, um, you know, no alcohol. I mean, these, these guys were very, very strict. They would expose themselves to extreme heat and extreme cold. They would probably beat themselves up. I don't know what they would do. You know, they would train their bodies. And the same imagery shows up in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. I'm going to come back to that. And the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Now, his audience would have understood exactly what he was talking about there. Because what he said, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let, you know, let us throw off anything that entangles. They would have known what the athletes of that day did. They took off all their clothing. They took off everything that would hamper their ability to get the fastest time. They ran naked. Sorry for that image, but that's a fact, okay? It's kind of like today the same thing happens. The, the winning guys in the time trials at the Tour de France, wonderful to watch. I love watching the Tour de France. They put on these skin suits that are, I don't know if they make you go faster or what, but it's to make the air slide over their body so that they get an extra tenth of a second over a half hour ride. I mean, it's crazy. These guys would take off everything, get rid of it, anything that's going to slow me down and not let me win and not run my fastest. These guys were serious. They were running to win. And just like us, we're running to win. If you're pursuing your God, you're running to win a prize that's never, ever going to spoil. It's never going to fade. It's never going to perish. You know, we're running to glorify our Father in heaven. That's why, that's why when you come to church, you know, when you come to church, come with prayerful expectation. Don't come to notch your calendar. Come here expecting to hear from God. Come here expecting, you know, when you bring a sacrifice and you praise to the Lord, come, come expecting him to impact your life. You know, come, just come, come to the house of the Lord with expectation on your heart because he's going to be here if you come with an expectation, you know, I, I, he's coming. I'm, I'm going to be there and the Lord is going to speak to me. He'll speak to me in my car. He'll speak to me elsewhere. But he, if I come into the house of the Lord and I set that time aside, and I make my heart available to hear his voice. He's going to speak to me during the worship. Or somebody who's going to say something to me in the hallway at the cookies, at the cookie counter. The Lord is going to speak to me and I'm going to encounter. And he's, I'm going to be different. Come to church expecting that. You need to come expecting that. You, maybe you'll hear something during the sermon. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit in your walk day to day, moment to moment. The Lord will speak to you. He will. And you come away thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to encounter God today. I'm going to get there and I'm going to be transformed and I'm going to somehow turn around and I'm going to be some, I'm going to be God's instrument. And I'm going to talk to somebody else. I'm going to be God talking to them. I'm going to be serving God today. I'm going to be there with purpose. And when you come in and, and you come consistently and you expect and you believe, you know, God is going to speak to you. He is. I promise. I promise if you come here expectant, available, tender-hearted before, the Lord will encounter you 
and he'll change you and he'll talk to you. He will. And you'll be different. You will be different. How are you going to be different? Thank you for asking. (laughs) You know, you're going to be different because when you encounter the presence of God, he will alter the trajectory of your life. You will go a different direction. You will go someplace that you weren't planning to take yourself. And I would just say, for some of you, this revelation and then that encounter, that's a divine moment for you. You know, that can literally change the trajectory of your life. So I've got a couple of, let's say, application questions just to toss out. You don't need to answer these out loud. These are rhetorical. What do you want most? What do you want most? Not what does your mom want? What does your spouse want? What do your kids want? What does your What do you want most? Most in your own private heart, you know. And don't horse around. Don't tell me, well, you want to win the lottery. Don't don't tell me you want to divorce your husband and marry Tom Cruise. Okay, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Ooh, ick. It isn't Tom Cruise, is it? No, no. Okay, good. Glad to hear that. You know, what is it? What do you really down in your soul want most? Dream for a minute. Think about that. You know, maybe for some of us, it's, for most, I just, it's time for me to take Christ really seriously in my life. You know? I want to get close to God. Maybe, maybe for some of us, we say, you know, I, I just want to feel better physically. I want to get in better shape. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Maybe, you, maybe some of you have this growing like a volcano of determination that's building up in you, and you're thinking, you know, I, I am just tired of the way this feels. I, I, I'm going to pay off my credit. I'm going to pay off my student loan debt. I am done being in debt. Maybe some of you, it's your marriage. You know, you're just saying, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to tolerate average anymore in your marriage. Average is not good enough. Or maybe it's good isn't good enough. You know, I want intimacy in my marriage. I want, I want my wife to know what I'm thinking. I want to know what she's thinking. I want to be there before she thinks it. You want to be Superman husband. That's possible. What do you want most? What do you want most? Whatever it is, name it. Down in your soul, just name it. But be careful here because, you know, some of you, maybe you're coming up with a list right now. Well, see, I, I want my, my marriage to be better. I'd like my weight to be lower. I want my attitude to be better. I think I better relationship. With... Listen, my life is such an undisciplined mess. I got too many things going on here. I'd like to quit smoking. I'd like to quit gambling. I'd like to quit shooting people, whatever it is. (laughs) Just start with one. Just pick one. The most. The most. And here's what you'll find. I mean, once that starts happening and the Lord and you get on that page and you start seeing victory in that area, the Lord's going to help you find that it's that much easier to find victory in, in areas after that. So, What do you want most? The second question I want you to think about is this. What do I need to choose now to achieve what I want most? Pretty simple question. What do I need to choose now 
to achieve what I want most? What do I achieve? And, and, and we're smart people. There are some practical things here we can do. What do you want most? You say, well, I want to be closer to God. Well, okay, that's easy enough. What are you going to choose? Well, you could choose to get yourself a Bible reading program and spend time in God's word consistently. Okay, that'll help. You know, you can choose to be in the Lord's house consistently. Come every week. I do. <laughs> Most weeks, although I take a vacation. I mean, come consistently. Expect the Lord. If you want to have, have a closer relationship, spend time with the Lord. Seek, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things, they'll get taken care of. You know, be there early. Come early. Be prayerful. Come serve. You know, do what do you need to choose now? So you do that. You say to yourself, "Well, I, I want to get in better shape. I, I want to lose twenty pounds." Well, what do you do? Well, okay, get up and walk in the morning. Just get up. Start with that. Walk. Join a gym. You know, maybe you need to maybe you need to make a contact with someone in the gym that's a trainer. Maybe they're going to say to you, "Hey, let's talk about the way you eat," because that's likely going to be the other part of the equation. If you just want to feel better physically, you probably need more exercise and better food. The room goes silent. They're going, you should talk. <laughs> I know, but this isn't my most. It's down my list. <laughs> when I get to it, I'll let you know. <laughs> Why would you do these things? Because when you want something most, then you'll do the things to take you there. You don't want to settle for the things that you want to know. You say, I want a great marriage. So what are we going to do? Well, start with praying together. How will you have intimacy in your relationship if you're not intimate? If you don't share openly and honestly, start with prayer. Here's another one. Have a date night. Get on your calendar. This is the date night. Nothing invades date night. And some date nights need to be special date nights. You can figure that out. (laughs) Some nights, okay, whatever. Maybe your marriage needs more than a tweak. Maybe it needs an overhaul. Maybe you need to say, hey, we need somebody to come in and just kind of help coach us here a little bit. We need some counseling. Or you say, I, I want to get out of debt. Maybe you're, I want most to get out of debt. What do you do? Well, you get into the next time we make it available or some other church has made it available, the Dave, Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. Do it. You know, you'd be amazed. One night a week for a couple of months can change your life. I mean, it's really practical, really good. Oh, I don't know, Terry. It's, it's kind of hard. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to take some work. It's praying together if you've not done it before. That's awkward. It's, yeah, it's going to counseling is expensive. Yeah. Choose your pain. You get to choose. You can choose the pain of discipline, or you will choose the pain of regret. What do you want most and what do you need to choose now to achieve or to experience the things that you want most? And Apostle Paul kind of helps us here back into 1 Corinthians 9. And he's continuing. He's still in the imagery of this race. And he says, verse 26, So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Discipline, training to do it. What Maybe you're thinking, you know, okay, Terry, you're a pastor. This is easier for you because you're a naturally disciplined person. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> oh, no. You don't know me that well if you really think that's the case. I mean, I am, I, I'm, I've got, I'm incredibly undisciplined. I absolutely love junk food. 
You like it. I, I love it. I love it. I have a problem with it. Junk food. Sweets. Man, I love them. And I don't know why I'm admitting this to you, but in my office at home, there's a little cabinet over there. And inside that cabinet right now are my absolute favorites. Red Hots. I love Red Hots. And there are states in the United States that do not have them. So to make sure that I never am in that place, I buy them by the case full on Amazon. And right now in that deal, you know the big boxes you get at the theater? I have 24 of those things lined up. There's less than 24 because some point in the point. But I haven't been into them for months. I don't know why I keep them there. There's also, listen, don't go to Costco. They have, <laughs> they have a bag of M&Ms, the original. No peanuts. No, not the peanuts. Not the peanut butter ones. Not the mint ones. Not the red and green ones for Christmas, although they taste the same. But the big old bags of the really good M&Ms, it's unopened. Why do you let me keep those things in there? I know you can get in there anytime you want it. There's other stuff in there, and I don't know why that's in there. I love that. Stuff. I'm incredibly undisciplined. And at some moment, I know a weakness. I'll have my emergency kit right there for me. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> that completely undercuts my message. I don't know why I just admitted that to you. <laughs> it's terrible. I, I, I love junk food. I love, to, I love to lay around and watch movies. I love to lay around and eat junk food and watch movies. <laughs> I hate to floss. I do it. I don't want to do it. Be true to your teeth or they'll be false to you. <laughs> A dental, dental care professional is laughing at the joke. She's heard it so many times. Like most people, I am incredibly undisciplined. And that's why I have to run with purpose. I have to. I have to say, Jesus, I need you here. And I kind of need you now. I need you in this moment, Lord. Help me in this moment. You know, what I hope that you understand is that there's, there's never a moment that I don't need Jesus. I need him all the time. Without him, I'm, I'm exactly what Paul describes. I, I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I find myself doing it anyway. That's why it's just every moment with the Lord. Every day, I need his power. I need his strength. I need, I need him with me when I'm weak. I, I need him to be what I can't be for myself. And Now, let me give you another reason why this, this is true about us, and it's more of a scientific reason um, why this is true about us. Imagine, imagine walking out your front door. Here's a, just a, a, a scenario. You walk out your front door, and your goal is you want to keep your front yard grass beautiful. And you've got this beautiful pathway that meanders over to the driveway, and it just makes you, you're supposed to relax and so forth. But it is not the quickest way. And so you walk out the front door, and you love your green grass, and you think, you know, I'd like to go on the walk. I'd like to go on the journey today, but the car's right there, and I could just walk across these 30 feet of grass this one time. It'll be fine, okay? So you do it. You walk across the, you know, okay, I'm breaking the rules. I break the rules, and I cross the grass. Now, it's probably fine. Your grass isn't going to be damaged from that one time you walk across. Um, 
And so um, something else happens too. You did something that you knew you weren't supposed to do and you got away with it. And something happens in us physiologically. Now, that's a very, very lame example. But as a child, little things like that can amp up a child. They know they break the rules. I remember one time I walked into the faculty room in grade school. Kids were not allowed in there. And I thought, I'm going in there. (laughs) Cover me, I'm going in. (laughs) And I went into the faculty room. And there was teachers in there, and I only stayed there for just a few seconds, and I came out of there. I'm telling you, I had a rush. And I, wow. Something else happened in there that has nothing to do with the message. I'll tell you this. There were teachers smoking in there. It was, man, I didn't know what to think. Anyway, so, but that rush happened. You know what was going on in that moment? My brain was doing something. Um, there's this... When you do something that's forbidden and you get away with it, there's this, you feel this rush. Well, that's because your body starts to secrete something called dopamine. Dopamine. Dopamine is like the Kim Kardashian of bad chemicals running around your body, okay? <laughs> dopamine is, is something that, you know, it's connected. It goes right straight to your motivation. Your, it, 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 it fuels addictions. It, it, it feeds, it's, it's your attention, it lust. Those kinds of things are connected to dopamine. And um, there's something called the mesolimbic pathway. It goes right straight to your pleasure centers. And your brain going, ooh, feels good like this. You walk across the grass, a little tiny dose. Hey, that's kind of cool. And uh, you get this reward. And you do it over and over again. And... You keep doing this, and you start doing this over and over again, and you just keep on doing it. And while that's happening, a couple things, two trails get blazed. Your brain creates a new neural pathway. You have an actual effect from doing this. And the second thing is you get a really ugly front yard. (laughs) Okay? And you no longer have what you wanted most. And here's the thing. This need or this desire to feel that release of the dopamine in your body, it scales up over time. You will start doing riskier and more destructive behavior over time because of the way it makes you feel. It's scary. And, you know, here's the thing. As disciples of Jesus, as children of the King, as the one who dances over you and me, I know how much I love my grandchildren and my children, how excited I am when I see something good going on. God is like that. He loves us enough that he will discipline us. He loves us enough to discipline us, to not let us head towards destruction and not do the things to shape us, to save us from going there. We learn to choose what we want most over what we want now. And, and, and that's why there's, there's, there's got to be purpose in every step that we take. And that's what training to win requires. might take a little longer, Maybe a little more time-consuming, maybe a little longer journey, but we choose what we want most over what we want now. And here's, here's how this plays out. You know, I love donuts. I want to run to a donut. I figure the exercise is good to get me to that donut. <laughs> but what do I want now is different than what I want most. Same thing with finances. I mean, I want the thingy. I want to buy the thingy, Okay. And um, the shortest distance between me and that boat is debt. That's the shortest distance. I want the boat. 
But because I want something more, like I want to not be obligated under debt because I, I, I want to be more free to be generous, I, I, I'm going to choose to save. I'm going to choose to give and I'm going to choose to save. And then I'm going to have what I want most over what I want now. The key here is this, that Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires that are in me. And I'm becoming, you know, I'm trying to become this disciplined son son that the king wants me to be. And here's partly what's going on. As I go through this process, he forms new spiritual pathways in my brain. In fact, he talks about this in Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, when God's word actually renews your mind, you no longer think in sinful patterns the way you used to, but instead you, you think more of the way Christ thinks. And, and, and we become disciplined. Not me becoming disciplined, but Christ in me. Because he's stronger than the wrong desires in me. And this is really important. And so Paul was talking about this when he said, you know, I do the things I don't want to do. And I, you know, he was talking about that back in Romans 7, starting in verse 24. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who can help me? Christ is the one. Christ is the one who empowers me. He's the one who empowers me to, towards what I want most over what I want now. It's Christ in me to choose the discipline over the regret. That's how we run the race. So now, what do you want most? What do you want most? What do you need to choose to achieve or experience what you want most? And um, here's the thing. If you don't do something now, I need you carefully to hear this. If you don't choose to do the things now that will help you do the, to achieve what you want most, that may be the area of your biggest regret. What you Did you catch that? That could be your areas, area of biggest regret. And I don't want to live with regrets. Nobody wants to live with regrets. I don't want to be a father who says, you know, I'd give anything to go back there and have time with my children, blah, 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 because I was, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the husband that says, oh, if I would have just kept my heart right about my wife and my marriage, I would still be married. Wouldn't have lost my wife. I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be the person who late in life says, you know, if I'd taken better care of my temple, I wouldn't be dealing with this today. I don't want to be the one who lives with those regrets. But even worse would be to die with regrets. I so appreciated the leading of our worship team this morning where, I don't know if you realize it, but Pastor Eric shared the gospel. He shared that Christ who came and died and rose again, did that to pay the price of eternity for you and for me. Scripture says that, that we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. No one is good enough. But God loves us so much that he sent his only son to pay the price of our sin. It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. 
but you don't get the prize by just being in the stadium. You don't go to heaven because you sit in church. That doesn't get anybody to heaven. It's what saved people do, but it doesn't get us to heaven. What gets us to heaven is right relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ. If you've never called on the name of Jesus and said, I need, I need you as my savior, I realize I can't be good enough. If you've never done that, you could die with the regret and your eternity rides on that. I encourage you, if you've never opened your heart to the Lord before, to make that decision today and say, okay, I don't know, I'm not joining a church and I'm not gonna become this religious nut. I just want to be right with God. I want to be right with God. I want to be right with my maker. I want to have eternity sorted out before it's too late. Do make that decision and tell somebody. And then let the Holy Spirit lead you. And um, stay with Christians. Get involved with church and get to know God's word and you'll grow in those things. But that's what, it's not being in church that saves anybody. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Bottom line is this, that we've got a choice. And uh, that's why, for many of us, today needs to be the day that things change. If I could just stay off the grass long enough, God will make it grow back. Our God is a redeeming God. And he will redeem what's been lost. I want to run with purpose in every step. Let's pray. Lord, I have a sense right now that you are renewing...